Welcome everybody to episode six of the Fully Pinned Podcast with Daniel Payne Payne. Cheers, brother, for coming on. Thank you so much for joining me and having a yarn. It was absolutely epic having you. It was really cool to get an insight and see the other side of that world in a professional's career, especially from a mechanic's point of view, and just have a yarn and chit-chat and talk about heaps of different stuff. Guys, I think you will really enjoy the episode. Before we get into it, I'm just going to shout out some businesses that I love, use, and endorse. Right from the get-go, we just want a massive thanks to all Mountain Sports for everything they do for me and the community. Then we've got Crush Oz, Crush Cleaning Products, of course. We've got Spank Bikes, love their gear. Leah MTB, Purity Plant Protein, Bike Corp. Mate, and that's it. Let's get into it. The Fully Pinned Podcast, Episode 6 with Daniel Payne. Payne, it's a go. Let's go. No one likes spending money on cars. <laughs> but they love um, to spend money on bikes. That's right. So, yeah, <laughs> I'd lay the chair over and put a like plank of wood on, and I just like would always jump that. I remember breaking the the rear wheel on it when I was like super young. Um, so, yeah, I've pretty. All right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is ep six, episode six of the Fully Pinned Podcast. Now, I'm super super stoked to have uh, Daniel Payne Payne on the potty today. Thank you so much for making time for it, bro. Yeah, no worries at all. Good to uh, come on and have a chat. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Man, like it must be like just to lock things down. Like I've um, this time of year, like mid-season for everybody is just such a busy time because obviously you've got a bit of a break before the next races for the downhill, but also it's two-month gap for the EDR. What do you do in this? Like what happens in this space for someone like yourself? Um. Well... I'm in the UK here at the moment, and uh, mm-hmm. it's summer, so um, it's wedding season. So just on a personal basis, um, there's, like, things going on every weekend. But um, yeah. as for, like, the work side of things, uh, the people do it differently. I'm luckily enough to um, be in a position where YT um, or being yeah. a mechanic, YT is my job. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, solely my job so theoretically you would get a couple of months off um but i'm actually going to head up to world champs and and uh help out with the downhill team um so yeah just um wait waiting for that really um gonna go over and check out the tour de france so yeah just keep busy keeping busy i, I imagine like being a um I, I should have said a little bit more <laughs> painty is if for anyone that doesn't know Daniel is he's the full-time mechanic for the YT mob. So the team that races under that um, banner, you're doing all the, uh, the bike work for him, so to speak. How did you get into being a mechanic? Was it like, were you an eager kid years ago, wanted to work in a shop and it kind of just grew out from there or. Um, I basically at the end of school, um, I yep. was okay. not, uh, not loving school at all and i just wanted oh, basically yeah. um so i actually did my trade as a motor mechanic um so working on cars and yep. um yeah so i i did that i didn't really get along with that because well like the, the actual work and stuff like that was great but there like just being workshop and with maybe two or three other guys was kind of just a bit boring really 
And, yeah, um, gotcha. Yeah, so I just started to, I like just wanted to work in a, a bike shop, um, sort of, I was riding mountain bikes and stuff at the time and just convert across and what the first thing I noticed was like, it was really good to deal with customers that um, they wanted to be there rather than they felt like they had to be there. Like, you know, no one likes spending money on cars. Nah, but they love um, to spend money on bikes. That's right. So, yeah, <laughs> enjoyable experience. And so I just started in workshop, uh, sorry, in shops. And that was probably, yep. you know, 10, 15 years ago now. I don't want to make myself too, feel too old. Uh, bro, I, 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 I doubt, yeah, look, I can feel that. Like, if I could, I'd just edit this part out here, just these, <laughs> these silver bits in, and then we'll just never speak of it again, eh? It feels like those moments in our lives, eh? Like I, I that story I told you before we, you know, started recording about me bombing that hill. That part of my life literally feels like it's in another, you know, because that was high school, and high school was a long ass time ago. Yeah. You know, like, and it's funny how like you we talk about these beginnings in our lives, and then all of a sudden, you have this realization of the moment that you're in now in your life, and you're like, damn. I can remember that stuff like it freaking happened yesterday. But now you're just now it's one foot in front of the other. Like you're in this, you're I'm in my t stage of life. You're in your stage of life doing you know work with you know YT, and it's just think it's so crazy to think what can happen if you just simply keep putting one foot in front of another and work towards it. You know, how did you get into the off the back of that, how did you get into, like, you know, start when you started working, you know, pro circuit, so to speak? Like, were you, did someone pick you up or were you, did you have friends that you rode with that put you in contact with races? Like, how did it kind of merge from the shop to, you know, working a racing circuit? Yeah. So, um, I guess it's just, uh, contacts and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, and, and just a group of people that sort of all came together. So I knew Jack um, from early days with uh, bike yeah. racing, bike racing and stuff like that. So, yeah. and one of his good mates, I grew up with his family. Also, one of my um, housemates and one of my friends um, from years ago, um, he works at SRAM. Um, okay, and cool. We all sort of just, this is going back to 2018. I worked with Jack in 2019 for the um, uh, intense um, squad for the downhill. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's basically how it sort of came apart. It's just, just people and you need to obviously put yourself in the, the right position. And, and like you were saying, like one foot in front of the other, like you just need to, um, I guess, have the, the knowledge and all that sort of stuff so you, you're building yes. all and then everything just comes together um i'm sure it happens a lot of different ways for a lot of different people but yeah that's how mine came about and then um a uh, couple of years um he had with canyon they already had um like mechanics and stuff sorted yeah 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 and so we sort of spoke through that time but nothing really lined up from either his end or my end um and then when he moved across to, to YT423, um, 
required a mechanic and hey hey uh, you got a job <laughs> you want a job <laughs> yeah. and um and also like being being based in the uk now um yeah job a little bit more accessible because coming from oz it's really difficult to um oh yeah yeah to to get a job um in this industry base or not the industry but like in the in the race paddock oh it's it kind of speaks testament to like how crazy it is that australia got to host two rounds not just like you know a race or like a a points grab you know through oz cycling or something like that but like two full rounds of the you know that the EDR under, you know, the UCI like man now, like it's pretty, like it's pretty nuts because all those guys, you know, getting here, it's like all those other races, like Americans, all the guys from the UK, Euro guys, that's like just in flights alone, that's silly money, let, let alone their wages, whatever their teams pay for food. So like it, it really does like put it into perspective. Like if you want to make moves, Regards that you kind of got to get there or yep. go there. It was into your, I guess, in your in your uh, career career choice. Yeah, like the EDR rounds that we had in Tasmania earlier this year, they were really expensive for the team. Um, like I, I was super stoked, obviously, to um, like just on a selfish note, and like I can speak for, I think all of the Aussies here. It's like yeah, oh. <laughs> really really nice to to have one at home or have two at home um yeah. but for the teams and stuff like that that are that are mostly based in europe really expensive hard on logistics um not very professional setups and stuff like that over there like um just you know for all of our sponsors and well we don't necessarily have sponsors for our team the way we do yeah it, yeah 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 sponsors in general um it's not very professional or i'm sure it's you know not the greatest rounds for them because they're not plastered all over everyone's stuff yeah no i heard a bunch of different conversations around that you know topic come out of there but i I think it's i think it's fair to say being you know being an aussie and like seeing that it's just like that's sick for us you know to get people ahead we don't we don't really get, I mean, apart from the Crankworks tour, like happening in Cairns. Um, and then you, you might get in, I think Laurie, Jackson, Cami Blanche, like there, there was like quite a few pros out at um, Cannonball um, and stuff like that. But other than that, like we, we don't get to see much because we're, can, I mean, compared to that, like if you live there, you'd say this is the ask, you know, the ask crack of the earth and, and vice versa, like people that live here, think that Europe is Asco because it just takes so long to get to. But I can imagine it would have been an absolute like absolute money pit for some of those teams coming over. But how sick for us that we we got to see and host and and the locals being there, you know, getting to see, you know, some of their heroes and stuff like that, just, you know, flogging through Maytina. That's pretty dope. Yeah. It's really cool. And like there is some other sort of good points to it as well. Um and it's like it is a world enduro series um yep. so i think that we should you know try and go to each continent as much as we can um mm-hmm. and then the other thing is that again I like a little bit of a selfish point of view but i think it show it shows um 
how difficult it is to perform on a really high level with things like you know the 24 to 30 hours of um, travel time that you have yeah all of those sorts of things like it's really difficult as an Aussie and I'm more so talking for the athletes here than people in like my role but to get overseas and then perform the week after um is, is really difficult it's like a it's a big task but they all seem to be up for it and they do do really well now it's just it's funny to think about as you were saying it i was just like man because i don't know how early you know everyone rocks up like i there's only so much youtuber man can consume in one day right but um you know let's just say there's maybe five five to seven days of those two days it purely would be i mean for for the for the races as such there's probably rehydrate this is just me guessing i don't know exactly what the process is probably rehydration recovery and sleep because you've been traveling which means you probably haven't been eating good probably haven't been sleeping good and then you've got maybe a day or two after that you've got track walk and then practice like it's crazy to think that in that small turnaround, like the switch is on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Going going back to, um, like, the the Daniel days um, with Jack, like, yeah. the races were paired together, so they were sort of, like, a week or two apart, and we, we flew to and from Europe, basically, what, four or – sorry, I think probably – to Europe three times and then to North America's the the fourth time. Yeah. I think rounds including world champs or something that year. Um so yeah, we would we would come in like only kind of a few days before track walk and stuff like that. Um so he was trying to do those things like you just said, like get on top of nutrition, hydration, sleep, get in like the a rhythm, yeah. The time zone as, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And like I think all of the Aussies do that really well, but what you're comparing it to is basically someone that's already on the time zone, like already doing those things, like a hundred percent of the time. So, like all the locals. So yeah, yeah. It makes it. A, it's almost like a disadvantage, but um, yeah, as I said, like the the Aussies are all super motivated and stuff like that, and they do really well at it. So. Um. Yeah, don't want to complain too much. To, now, nah, look, it's a it's a it's a fair point. Like, it's a pretty hectic thing. I understand. You know, you know, a lot, a vast majority of that circuit being involved in you know various parts of Europe and then North America. Some of the, you know the best riding and the best trails in regards to what you want out of enduro comes from a lot of those things. But it would be cool to see. Um. You know, it's 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 a common theme, obviously in the especially in the downhill world circuit. And there's there's a, there's a couple of people not making noise about it, but talking about it at the moment. Like, not the same, you know, tracks, but you know, it's the same six or seven places, you know, every year. It, would, I mean, all, it all comes down to the dollar, but it'd be cool to see more variety, in more places, you know, each year. I know, obviously, they change tracks a little bit, but. It would be cool to see more variety. Like that's you know why I think it was super special that obviously we got to host those two rounds. But who knows what's going to happen? You know, with you know obviously everything going over to Discovery for DH and then um, going from EWS to an EWR. Like 
who knows what it's going to look like in the next three to, you know, three to four or five years. So very interesting subject, that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like they obviously can't implement all of the changes that they want to do um, mm. in the first year. So, yeah, I think we're going to see continual changes over the next years. And like, you know, I don't know what that involves and stuff like that. But for the most part, just um, from the outside looking into the downhill and stuff, like we've just seen the most changes this year um, yeah. as, as a spectator. And like I've seen the guys work at, at Gang, like one of the downhill rounds, but I wasn't directly involved. But yeah. it looks it looks fantastic. Like I think from a fan's point of view. Um, yeah. And I'm a massive fan still. Um, the I amount of race, race yeah. Yeah, the amount of racing that you can watch and stuff like that, and um, super cool. But yeah, hopefully some venues, um, you know, there's a little bit of change there for everyone. I think there will. Like, I think with a lot of the people are making a fair bit of noise about it now. So, I, you know, and, and quite often you hear, you know, the races, you know, in each as in each, uh, you know, in EDR and in DH, like that's the what they they are the reason that there is a business, you know, if, if the races just said, we're not coming, like it's like, Oh, like, yeah. you know, what are we going to do? I mean, obviously they can't because, you know, contractual obligations, it's a job, it's a livelihood, but if enough people make noise and it's starting to get that murmur, like there's, I think slowly, as you say, like there, there will be things that'll come up, you know, and new opportunities. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll just have to have to ride it out and see. Yeah, oh yeah, I know that, I know that, bro. What was your like on a uh, bit more of like a comical note? What was your first? What was your first bike? Like, was it a Julie? Was it a BMX? Like, what was it? Way well, back. Yeah, if we go, if we go way back, um, I don't remember the brand or anything like that, but um, it's uh. Like it was a, a a twelve inch sort of like little BMX bike. I remember it had plastic wheels, and um, <laughs> yes, yeah, like yes. I, there's there's like I remember breaking the rear wheel on it. Like it's my own. Like I had this um backyard. It was quite small, and um, yeah, it was like or like no grass. It just had like sort of it was tiled or like pavers oh, or something. Yes, yeah, so I used to slide it, eh? So just had like a racetrack and um, yes. I used to put like our, um, we had a table and chairs out the back. I'd, I'd lay the chair over and put a, like a plank of wood on. And I just like would always jump that. And I remember breaking the, the rear wheel on it when I was like super young. Um, so yeah, I pretty, as soon as I could ride a bike, just absolutely loved it. And I've loved bikes ever since. Like, yeah. yeah. Did you so, ever do any racing yourself? Yeah, so I um like I was also into moto, so I got a moto when I was a kid and um quite yeah. young, sort of like my my racing and stuff like that I did um until I was probably fifteen, sixteen. Um yeah, from age of four. And but I rode road bikes, like mountain bikes, uh, sorry, just like yeah. um bikes in general that whole time. And from about 16 is when I got into mountain bikes like heavily and yep. um yeah just started off at club level and um 
I loved it. So I just, I did as much as I could. And we had a really strong sort of national series back then. So yeah, like, um, yeah, save, save some money and then kind of hit the road for, for eight weeks. You would go back to work and stuff in between, but like, yeah, just for eight weeks over summer or 10 weeks, whatever it was, um, you'd just yep. be spending all cash and be on the road and go away racing with your mates. It was great. Yeah, good. It's kind of like what um, I'm looking to get uh, uh, Frother on at the moment. We've been chatting a little bit and, um, you know, him and Bergs and like all those boys are pretty much living out of a van in Europe for five months. And I'm just like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm in a different stage of my life, but I just think if I could have a getaway, you know, that it was just me and the boys, it would pretty much sound like that or something like that, you know in you know backcountry us or somewhere in europe jump in a van like just go racing or go ride bikes it'd be so gnarly yeah dream. yeah a whole lot of cash has got to go but flip you don't you don't forget that stuff no that's right and like you just you just never know what can happen too right like you you want to like enjoy those times while you can like you know you could get hurt like or you know um anything like you just yep you can't hold out for experiences you know when there's the right time is what i'm trying to say like you just need to to take those when you can and um Mm. i wasn't serious uh you know i never sort of took work too seriously like around those times i was i was talking about like obviously i went there and i i did my apprenticeship and all that sort of stuff but um, it wasn't the the be all end all. Like you, you definitely like wanted to to get away, and you know, m- keeping money in your account wasn't wasn't necessarily important. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, that's why you go and do those things, and like when you're young, you don't really have like those obligations and things like that. Um, oh, when I I my band that this is when we play our last show. Oh, band like 2011, I think, you know, we'd be gone for like a month in New Zealand or like, you know, we, I've been to, uh, with my old job, like they, they flew me all over America I, and it's just, and when you were there, you're like, ah, <laughs> I'm, and, it, and when I went to America, like a few years back, like I was married at this, at this time and I still probably spent way too much money, but even my wife was like, <laughs> she's just like oh well who knows when you're going to get to experience that like this again or go to this store or see this show or be in this place like you know you it's very very much like like you said you made that point like you got to live in that moment you got to take that moment for sure yeah and you never know what um is going to come from those times and stuff as well yep. like the people bump into um like yeah, just you know, you you don't want to be structured all of the time. Sorry, one of my one of my kiddos is up. Give me two seconds. I'll be right back, brother. Um, all right, we're good. That was a pretty intense scream. <laughs> and that is the stage of life that I am in. <laughs> I just heard it. I heard it like winding up like a Formula One card. I was like, damn, that's pretty loud. I'm don't think that's in the bedroom. I was like, Whoop. how old but, um, are you? Uh, my kids are five, 
Oh, he's six, actually. What are we, July, August, September? Well, he is six very soon. Holy hell. Look at that time. 2017, he was born, and my daughter is three in January. Yeah. Ah, time. Good age. It just three. goes. To... Pardon? A good age three, I reckon. Like, um, they're becoming like their their own human, aren't they? Like they they can Bro. communicate. They're like they're cool. Oh, it's so it's so true. Like it's wild. Like Marina, like, it's really hard because and they're like overt, like intense jealousy. Like my son's way past it. Um, but like he still has moments like we we might be at dinner like I gave Marcy a compliment or she did something I, that's Marciana is my daughter's name she did something funny and I um and I I, th- I think I laughed or I had a, you know like a just my reaction to it and then my son impersonated it and I was just you see those little moments where it's like oh if I do that you know but she is in this stage like you say of like her personality is just like screaming through and she's She's really, really cheeky. And, like, kids say that, you know, parents will say that about their kids, but she, man, she's just got such an oddball personality. And it is, it's so funny just watching it, like, it's so funny watching it come out, man. Like, the other night, <laughs> the other night I heard her screaming. I was like, what the hell is that? And I was doing some work in this office thing here. And I ran into the room and she was jumping on my wife's head. <laughs> so hard not to laugh because the last thing I expected to see when I opened the door was this like two and a bit year old just stomping my wife. It's pretty funny. Uh, have you got like nephews, nieces? What's a what's a go for you? Yeah, so I've um I've got a a niece that's um uh, I think. I think seven i should probably know um a, ne- <laughs> a nephew um that's three as well and um yeah yeah just like yeah i just love that age of sort of like three four where they're so um one you can torment them easy <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um they're like you can get them to do stuff um and they yeah they can communicate they're they're just like a bunch of fun that's just so much fun i want you to i I will say though like man parenting and i'm sorry to the parents that watch this or people that have got kids on the way like parenting is like easily the hardest thing that i've ever done i actually said this to my wife the other night i'm like it's so perplexing like there are times of such intense stress because like what I've really had to remind myself in the past six months is that like their prefrontal cortex. So they're the whole reasoning, like the whole thing that goes in the front part of their brain, like that pretty much don't work for a good while or it doesn't work the way that it should. And so you're trying to get these kids to calm down when they don't even know, like, like what the freak is going on. And then as you kind of like accept that and learn that it kind of makes parenting easier, but you don't always get it right. And then yeah. in those moments of stress, but then you have moments like 30 seconds after the stress where they're like, come play daddy. And you're like, yeah. oh, and you, you probably would have seen it around your family. Like anyone that's been around young kids would experience it. Like you just have golden, golden times. And then it can flip, you know, flip on the flip. Like yeah. that. it's nuts. In, um, uh, which round was it? Uh, finale and um 
Yep. And beer game. Um, we had um, Taxi's family around. And, um, yeah, yeah. Three young kids. And um, one of the days we were just all sitting in the garden, like the kids are playing and all that sort of stuff. And, and they get along like really well. Um, and all of a sudden you can just see like <laughs> something. <laughs> like you can, yeah, like you said, in 30 seconds, it can be a different ball game. And then the next 30 seconds, like there might have been an issue, but it's all resolved. They forget, bro. And it's fantastic. It was so funny, like, because that's one thing, like, I've, like I've, I've told, I've, I've said to a couple of mates, like, I've probably un- consumed an unhealthy, like, when I love something, people around me know, like, when I love something, and, and it's not, like, I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand up, like, I'm, I'm clinically diagnosed with ADD, but aside from that, like, when I love something, I, I truly, like, want to know everything, so the, the amount of YouTube that I've consumed, and just articles, and, you know, even just learning about like my own bike and my own skills, like it's it's just ridiculous. So, but one thing that I haven't seen, and I understand that because as a professional racer, you know, or, or just a, in this world, like any sort of you know, pro athlete or you know whatever it is, you don't want your kids, your private life on show as well when pretty much ninety percent of your life is in front of a camera. So it was actually really cool in that vlog to see taxi with his kids i was like oh that's nice like that's that's there's a bit of reality because like obviously the reality of a pro racer or or yourself as a mechanic is different to what people would live every day but when that camera's off and they're not racing in their home like that's their real world so it was actually really cool to see taxi like laxing with his kids in the van and you know just being a dad because up until that point i didn't actually know that he had chillins. Yep. Yeah. And that's the good thing with taxi is like what you see on camera is, is what you get. Like he's a, like cool. a, gen, a, a good person. He doesn't like, you know, they might have a bit of a joke and stuff like that. Like, um, yep. you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're just having fun. Um, so yeah, like, you know, you don't, you don't need to talk about your kids and all, and all yeah. that sort of stuff, like all of the yeah. time. Um, yeah. Like when, you know, if they're on there and like, that's, it's just him being him. That's cool. I like that. I like it. I thought it was cool. It's funny. Um, at the start of this year's like series and vlogs, obviously, you know, everyone was waiting for Jack. Like I, I was just thinking, People said specialized and then this team and that team. I was like, I wonder if he'll go with something like, you know, YT, like a director consumer brand or something like that, obviously coming from where he did. And then like when, when a YT came out and then the team announcement came out, I was just like, it's going to be super interesting. Obviously he's got such a great, you know, relationship with, you know, party boy and bomber, like, Everybody knows that that's a tight crew. Like, that's a tight crew. So it was it was going to be like, holy, you know, as viewers of this content, we're going to see this, you know, this whole thing unfold. And it's so cool to see how, and I, I don't know, I observe it as this, whether it's a thing, but, like, Jack seems to bring out the best in the people around him and, like, and see that comedic side of, like, he, how Texie was, like, not, like, closed off, but, like, not too open to the jokes. And then he just 
you know, got into it and assumed that role. Yeah. I think, um, like, Jack's that kind of person, isn't he? Like, he's yeah, he, a lot of energy. Um, like, his um, personality is infectious. Like, he's just good to be around. Um, yeah. So, and I think, like, what's really difficult um, and what comes across is closed off on the camera. Like, I feel like, like I am on a personal level very closed off when the camera's around as well. Um, yeah. Like, it's just, you need to get used to that. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, as, as much as, like, um, people come across that way, I think early on, they can sort of open up, be themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's really, it, it is a bit weird, actually. Like, it's not, I don't know, some people just get along with it easily, like Jack. Yeah. Um, but there's there's others that struggle with it, and I think um, oh. yeah, like, everyone's just opened up a bit now. Well, I think it, man, being in front of a camera isn't for everyone. Like conversating, even like this, isn't isn't for everyone. Pardon me, but it's very much. I think that's why I enjoy of content like Jack's or content of it because there is a big sense of reality to it. Like it's very raw, it's very natural, but he just seems like he's unequivocally him like yourself like there's what what i am getting from you now i mean obviously i you, you've got a job to do like i don't know how many times you must rebuild a bike you know pre-race post-race clean this that you know you there would be so much that you're doing that the cameras don't see but it's cool to see everyone just be themselves like it yes we have a joke and we we put on some laughs and stuff like that but it's cool to see the team gel the way that it does yeah there's um there's definitely a lot of work that goes on behind the camera um oh, but, i can't even begin to imagine but uh yeah like i think like stagsy um does a, yep. a really good job at you know trying to i guess uh get everything through the weekend so like yeah your your pit set up and and stuff like that um like track walk like obviously the the cameras and stuff um follow um jack and taxi that's what everyone wants to see um yeah, yeah. <laughs> pit set up every single week um <laughs> yeah. but um yeah like the the team does gel really well um which is really cool because something i think um i was a little bit nervous on and i'm i'm sure jack would have been a little bit nervous um is like going to a german team um mm -hmm. like you know like i didn't we didn't know anyone or anything like that obviously it's brand like new jack, like completely new yeah yeah like jack would have had talks with staff and stuff like that um you know b before he signed obviously um and but yeah you just never know what you're walking into but we've got a great group of people and um even though we're you know trying to learn a bit of um german um they speak <laughs> english um all of them and um but they're just they're just good people um as well like they they're good to be around like they have a have a yeah. laugh and stuff it's not it's not just all like it's all point. it's not all business yeah and on that um 
I remember, I can't remember what episode or, you know, what vlog it was, but uh, Stagsy asked you a couple of questions. I like, so what's happening with the bike today? And you just mentioned you rebuild it. When you say you rebuild it, like, you know, the team's bikes, whether it's, you know, you're at the downhill events or you're doing Jack and Texas bikes. When you say rebuild it, is that just like everything down to the frame cleaned and then back in? Like, what's that process look like? Yeah, I guess it depends on what part of the weekend and stuff like that that you're in. Um, but what you'll usually do um, in sort of like before the, the race weekend and stuff starts is is pull everything down. Um, so like seat stay, change stay off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the fork and stuff like that will go to um, Rock Shocks for us or SRAM. Yep. Um, and... Yeah, you're basically um, making sure that, that every bearing and stuff like that is working correctly. If it's not, um, then you're replacing it. Um, you're doing like things like um, uh, putting a new set of pads in, um, bleeding brakes. Yep. Just like, and a really thorough inspection. That's the, I think the biggest thing that um, I guess people don't really say, I guess, like as a mechanic, is like people note the things that they're replacing and stuff like that but you're you've got to be really thorough um because you want to um what's the word um like you want to preempt anything that that could happen mm. or happening 100 percent, or it happens so you don't want anything to go wrong you want to like start and see the signs of anything but um you know like most bikes nowadays like our bike is really good it's really good to work on um we don't have any sort of like issues with particular areas and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, basically you're, you're pulling everything apart, giving it a good inspection. If something's not a hundred percent, you're either replacing something or, um, or typically you're, you're replacing something. You're not sort of bending something into place or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Gotcha. Always got enough spares for, for bits and pieces. Oh, yeah. You might would always be there. Yeah, you might actually repair something on um, the mech nowadays because you're going to replace a lot of parts on those yep. with the new transmission. Um, you might not replace a full derailleur like you once would have. But, um, yeah, you're just getting the bike um, back to a brand new... Um, Status, yeah. That makes sense. Because, like, when it's in that brand new world of status, you... Man. You know, we're here to win races. We're here to do our best. Like, can't be lacking in that department because, like, you, the last thing, you, the last thing you want to be thinking about is my bike working properly going into a race. You know, how long are you actually? You know, obviously, I, I don't know about the time and things. When are you like kind of one of the first guys on site? Because I've seen quite a few videos of you driving the van and getting set up. Are you like there, bike build? you know, team rocks in, like, how does, how much time is there? Like, how long does it take you to get that whole process? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I think like if we're building a bike from scratch, like where yeah. you know, we, well, for example, like, um, we, at, at the start of this trip, like uh, I went across to, to Germany and, um, uh, built the bike and stuff like that. Um, or sorry, there's the custom bikes. That's right. Yeah, was and, it the was it the Miami Vice one you're talking about? 
yeah yeah so yep. we we you know build build it from scratch like we don't get a frame that's like assembled or anything like that so you assemble the frame um you um put the frame protection and stuff like that on the bike and then you're you know pressing pressing everything in cutting yep. steer doing all that i would say that like to have that to sort of jack's race spec like i could get it done in a day but i typically take like a day and a quarter day and a half to do something like that so um, not rushing yeah yeah like build wheels all that sort of stuff um like wow. yeah so it takes a, a long time um but we don't always have to go from that level like we yeah have, yeah like we have frames prepped and stuff like that um where you know i've i've had bbs pressed in headsets pressed in like obviously the oh frame cool together so yeah what we what we do at the start of a race weekend though that takes a day so we get there super wow. early oh sorry i shouldn't say super early um like <laughs> 7 30 8 o'clock to the pits get started um they're pretty long days like we're sort of like rocking into the hotel at sort of 7 30 8 o'clock like a lot of the days um yep. but we're throughout the whole day like obviously when the um the guys are out riding and stuff like that we're not working on the bikes um this is this is sort of like you know practice days or you know yeah um, that sort of thing but we're prepping other things like um could be uh the race wheels or even just like going through the vans and stuff like that and making sure that we're like stocked and um could be a visit to shram like you're always doing stuff but you're not always busy busy yeah there's all i, I imagine it would always be something to do you just said before like building race wheels does a fresh set of wheels go on before race can like so they have practice day does a fresh set of wheels go on um before practice day i oh, sorry before race day before race day yes so um interesting that we sort of like just manage a little bit so for example um like if there's any ding or anything like that i'll build a new rim into it um yep we won't put like a, a brand new hub or anything like that in. Um, yeah. Again, okay. Or, you know, checking bearings and stuff like that, making sure that it's up, like rolling a hundred percent. But yeah, if there's any dings or anything like that in the wheel, I'm building a new, new rim into it, even if it's just a small ding. Um, yeah. We fly all the way, like halfway across the world or, um, you know, to have something small, let go. Um, like we do, yeah, make sure everything's done properly and, and thorough. Um, but a, a front wheel that has no dings in it, it's held good tension. You know, we'd, we'd run that again. Like Yeah, the, the, okay. Okay, yeah, so that not, makes sense. Yeah, we try and, well, like try not to throw away unnecessary things. Like we obviously go through a lot of tyres and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that would get shredded yeah but we try and keep as much of that and sort of give those to either fans or like yt staff if they're still in like decent condition and stuff like that we yeah gotcha yeah, throw away a bunch of stuff for the hell of it yeah it would it'd be like very counterintuitive to 
there's a there'd be a use for every part regardless of whether it's good for a race bike or not anymore you know there's a there's a there's a place in a like you know there's a place where like whether you can give it to a fan or like it comes into a giveaway or like it, it goes to a staff member to use that's cool to know like it's it's very hard for me to not like nerd out and like i'm i'm in no way a mechanic i very basic you know what i can do with a bike but I understand all the bits and bobs, so it's really like interesting to see, you know, from someone who's a pro race mechanic to like the whole process behind it. And because, like you said, we only get to see what we see through the media that's you know put in front of us. And one of the reasons I started the podcast is like so I can, you know, not only can I, I want to get a lot of Aussies on, but these are things that you don't really get to hear about a lot, you know. I didn't just want to have races. I just want. I didn't want to have celebs. Like I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have you know some mechanics on because I, I there's a side of this that they get to see that you you know we 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 won't ever experience from this side of things. Yeah, yeah. There's like everyone's always got something interesting to say. Like um, uh, I like um, listening to the pods that um, like. Uh, um, Aaron Troy's mechanic um, has been on uh, a couple. Yep. Um, also, um, John Hall, I worked with him um, back mm-hmm. in 2000 also. Um, and just like I like hearing, well, from, from those sorts of people because, like, I guess that's my role as well. But you can always learn from from different people um yeah 100 you can yeah it's just like yeah there's there's obviously a million and one pods vlogs all that sort of stuff from the races and i i really enjoy that stuff as well um but it's nice hearing from um the other roles within the team uh, it'd be good to have some team managers and stuff like that listening to um like to be able to listen to them on podcasts and stuff too i think i because feel like they, that would yeah and Oh yeah. Um, I've had some thoughts about like who I'd like to get on, but it's it's crazy. Like people ask me, you know, when the next episode coming on, and I did try. I do try to stick to a schedule, but like I might film four this week, and then for two weeks I just cannot get anyone. Two, three weeks a month I just can't get anyone, and it's just you know you got to be respective of those times, and you know obviously people are uh it's a privilege for me to be able to sit down and you know yarn about these things and because time is precious in this world big time you know man i've got a flip i should have asked how are you feeling because like so many people in those first two like or when it went over to europe like obviously pretty much a whole yt team got sick or like people were having sniffles it seemed like everybody like all the different vlogs like I don't feel well. Like everyone was sick. That was nuts. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, all good now. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was some crazy bug, hey? Um, like, yeah, there was a, a few of us that got it within the team, um, and our team manager did a really good job at like separating us all like fairly quick. Um, and, like you know, so the other staff and the other athletes and stuff like that didn't get sick. Um, so yeah, it was, um, we, we had like, Jack basically had a house to himself, like Stagsy and I basically had a house and then like the other staff that we had sort of like 
what was the league going round where we were like really quite yeah, drunk. cooked. Um, yeah. And so we had a lot of staff there because it was the downhill and the EDR. Um, so yeah, there was people scattered everywhere. But and for like, I think it was pit setup day. I didn't feel really that well. Yeah, I just, no, I remember the vlog. That was that was rough. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'll be dehydrated or something. Like it'll be fine. Push through. Just got worse and worse, and then started throwing up, and then got the runs and right. yeah just seemed to not go away like it was it was longer than 24 hours which most bugs are and then um yeah then the week after i got like um like a cold or like the it wasn't it wasn't really like the flu but just like super blocked up and no energy and unfortunately um like i well i only had it for like what, a week and a half, two weeks, but Jack just had it for basically the three races. Like he was so brutal, man. Rally. Yeah, had to clear game out. Right. Super hard for him. Like when, you uh, know, like, yeah, you're to race your bike and, and you get to do that like sort of seven or eight main times in the year. And to not be able to do that once is like a really hard decision, and um, yeah, but it was it was the right decision, but it's a really difficult one. And then to be on the mend for the Canazé Val de Fassa round, but still not a hundred percent at altitude, and then like really nice. physical facts. like they're they're always physical, but then to have like. That climb, man. Oh, my gosh. That was filthy. Yeah. So People were suffering, like, chest in the bar, like, yeah. oh, pedal, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. That, and that, like, oh, bro. Brutal. Yeah, everyone was, was like, going to struggle with that climb, um, like, because it was, it's like, pretty, pretty significant, sort of, like, I don't think it was quite mid-stage, but but close enough too. So, yeah, tough it's, one. It's crazy because, you know, I was chatting to someone about, like, Jack's performance at that race and, you know, to go ninth. Like, top ten in the world in a professional standard isn't easy in anything, but when you have, like, when it when you're in a sport that requires your oxygen systems to fire properly... And you don't, Jack doesn't really, uh, from just from what I've watched, like you don't, it doesn't make heaps of noise. Like he puffs a little bit on climbs, like, but to, in the races that he did in the videos, I seen like hearing him like breathe that way. I was like, man, it actually sounds like he's suffering. And then that climb at the end, like he, you see him flick his uh, helmet off in the race and he just almost mumbling to himself, like, man, I, that was like 101 percent that was everything it was so nuts to think that if he had been healthy like what you know what could have been he's in he seems to be in a really happy space like man it's tough to watch yeah Yeah, we made um made a couple of like uh well a good change to the bike um after finale um just like a little tweak um geo wise and um I think like that's 
that sort of like um, improved a couple of, well, improved uh, like the bike a little bit for him. Um, and so, yeah, he's in a good spot, um, like happy within the team and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, just going back to like the the climb and seeing seeing how much like those races and stages were taking out of him, it's like you can see when they come down to the, I think it's technical assistance zone or the TAS, um, you can see the difference in like the way he recovers. Like these last couple of rounds, like finale, he was coming in and he looked like really, really tired after the first couple of stages. And mm. it's not fitness because, and I've gone road riding and stuff with him. And um, like, he's one fit dude. Um, yeah, pretty- I believe that like all year round and um yeah just just seeing like the yeah the recovery just wasn't there after the stages when he was sick like so was, hard to do when you're sick bro yeah so like, to go not last round like yeah everyone was really proud of him um obviously not the the results that we're sort of there for not that there's pressure from the team but like he has his own expectations and yeah, you can, you can tell that he knows what he wants of himself. Yeah. hundred percent. But we, um, we have a couple of months, like we, like we said Mate. earlier, come, come back stomping. That's it. What does this couple of months look like for you? There's one thing I want to tell. Like it's so, it's very odd, like compared to like other race circuits, like in, in DH and, and the EDR, like it's like packed big gap end of year off season what do you do what does like it look like for the team is this just like recoup training i mean actually uh, like, what does it look like for you being in your position okay so um basically um like in my position um we we've you know organized a bunch of parts and stuff like that for um jack back home um so mm-hmm. like there's still some bits and pieces that we need to organize so i um, at the moment, I'm just liaising with um, Ricky Boyer from back home. Um, he's the um, practice mechanic, if you like, um, for yep. Jack. So liaise with Jack and um, Ricky, make sure that we've got all the parts and stuff like that either organised or he's already got them. Um, we need to restock for the next races if there's any sort of particular parts that we've either like getting low on or run out on. Like we built two custom bikes, um, a red rocket, um, this last trip. So there's lots of bits and then you like, you know, might break stuff and where we also drive train with texting and stuff like that. So a lot of parts get used up. So we need to make sure that we've got, um, all the parts and stuff organized. So emails to, um, team manager, SRAM, like, like just sort of liaising with that sort of stuff. Um, and as for my role with Jack, like I don't have too much to do until we sort of um, fly back to Europe. Um, When's the next Where's the next round? Sorry to cut you off. Do you know what I um I know they're um, both in France, and yeah, I don't I can tell you any more than that. I I am one of the ones that stays very low key on all of like those sorts of details because I don't need to look after those. Yes, yeah, so like here's a ticket. Be there at this time. Yeah, yeah, like um, 
obviously when we get closer and stuff like that, like all of that information just like through plane tickets and like talk and stuff like that, you know exactly what the plan is. We'll, we get an email from our team manager, Gunnar, um, with like a, a schedule for the week or the two weeks. So mm-hmm. we know exactly what we're doing, but there's so many moving parts all the time with like the bike, what's going on, like um, within the weeks and stuff like that, that you can't be about heaps of unnecessary stuff. So Yeah, there's um, not really time for all that. Yeah, so I just, I just worry about like what I need to do and like obviously if I'm on top of all my stuff I can help other people and, and all that but um yeah it's just just about being organized and and thorough like in this time off like make sure we have everything sorted um like I got back I drove one of the vans back um to HQ after Val de Fassa and um yep. pulled everything out gave the van a clean um and yeah just sort of like not not restocked it yet because we'll do that once we've got everything um back at hq but um yeah just made sure everything was like sort of back in its place and all that sort of stuff but when i'm at home um it's basically just emails and whatsapps like i don't have too much to do that's not too bad it's like I I imagine like I mean obviously you know as athletes of races got to train that have media obligations this that and the other thing but I was like man I wonder like surely it couldn't be too hectic you know for a mechanic when you when you're talking about restocking you meant and we were talking about building before it's just a question that popped in my head obviously fresh tires go on for a race how many sets of tires in a race weekend are we going through like because you could have a flat or you could jag something like are we talking three to four is it less it's just one of those curious curious thoughts that i have like what sort of when you say you've got to restock yeah tires wise like what does that look like how many sets are we looking at yeah well um like as for tires like and there's a bunch of parts that we don't need to restock at hq like there's a lot of yeah. a lot up there but um you know like sort of um there is there's always bits and pieces like um you know handlebars and stuff like that we um Mm -hmm. always like stock of in the van and stuff like that but um in jack's bend and all that sort of stuff like like that's just one of the things that we need to get a hold of a, a few more bars before next um uh next trip away but tires wise um i sort of allow four sets um that like we usually run which is uh an assegai up front and a dhr do for the rear so yeah four of each of those for a a race week plus mud tires um so a set of wet screams and a set of um shorties Um, yeah 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 and we don't like we haven't even put any mud tires on um, this whole season. Um, yeah, it's been pretty dry. Like normally, come race time, like it's, it seems to be way less rain this year than there was last year. Yeah, um, like Derby was wet, but like the the dirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, mud tires at all. Um, but we 
we got some for Medina because that was has the potential to be really slippery. Um, so yeah, we had had them there for both those rounds, and as I said, didn't need them at, in uh, Derby. Um, but Valdefasa, um, there was a bit of rain uh, in practice around practice time. There was meant to be a big storm coming through, like the actual crazy storm that was kind of expected didn't come through. Yeah, I remember the clouds. Like, it looked freaking gnarly at one stage. Yeah. Yeah, and they shuffled practice around a little bit and stuff to suit. Um, but because we pretty much knew that we were going to be racing in the dry, like, we're pretty much just always yeah. going to back up on um, on dry tyres. Like, I'd, I'd spoken to him about it, and that was his call. So, um, yeah, me- yeah, basically I have sort of four, uh, yeah, what did I say, four sets um, for the week. Like definitely new tires for um, like race the, day. Uh, for race day and for practice day. Um, you just want to try and keep the bike. Um, and this goes with your with the build and stuff like that. And and like yeah, um, you want to try and keep everything feeling exactly the same all of the time. So that's like suspension. Like um, obviously you might do a yeah, air if like your lacking in a particular area or need to adjust for the tracks but yeah you want the bike to feel the same all of the time um that so. makes sense the worst thing the worst like i said i mean the worst thing would be like to get on and something isn't you know running smoothly like you want it to be the same bike from last round to this round and so on and so forth weird question everyone talks about the capras being so quiet and, like, even in – I mean, obviously, it's a race bike. You've got a mechanic, you know, making it this way all the time. But compared to a lot of bikes, it does seem super quiet the way that it runs. And, like, even in the videos, is there something to the way that they're built that makes them that way? Or is 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 it something that you've noticed that is, like, you know, they run quite quiet? Because, obviously, you're riding one y- yourself. Is it just the way they're built or ha- how things are routed or – what yeah, is it think, about them that runs that way? Um, I think it's like a, a combination of a, a few things. Um, like obviously the, the way it's like routed or like the the clearance and stuff like that that the chain mm-hmm. has, the chain protection. Um, we add some slapper tape in a couple of like little spots and stuff as well. Um, yeah, gotcha. We use a, a downhill um, chain guide as well instead of like sort of yep. one of the like Juro style ones. Um, I don't think that necessarily helps for for noise particularly, but I just think that like it, it's a little bit more narrow um, and stuff like that. So yeah, it doesn't so much help the noise, but it's just one of the things that we do differently. And also the transmission um, is quite yeah well. So that that's another thing. Um, but we didn't have that throughout the whole year. Like, we got those. When did that come on? Uh, we got those um, during our test camp in January. Yeah, gotcha. All right. So Interesting. when we were doing some testing um, with SRAM, um, they, yeah. They, well, Jack actually had though that transmission on last year, I think, um, at a Ooh. couple of rounds. But, yeah, we didn't have... Um, all of that stuff until like uh, I think they've done like a week of fun riding or something like that. 
What do you think of it? I, I don't know how much you can share, obviously, like, because you guys do a lot of work with Shran, but, like, is it, is it, like, one of the gnarliest things that you've worked with? Can it really take the beating that, you know, it, they, I've seen some gnarly videos since it came out of what people have put it through. Is it really like that? Like, is it, do you think it's worth the coin? I guess I could say, I guess I could ask. I am a SRAM fan. So, yes. Okay. Like, and this is, this is completely like nothing to do with, um, like the team or anything like that. Yeah. And like, we don't, like, we, we're in a unique position with the, um, a team and stuff as well we're not like you know we don't have like a bunch of sponsors and stuff like that that we need to keep happy and and all that sort of thing but so dark. I, I would a hundred percent have that new transmission on my bike um like i've got the access stuff um currently um mm-hmm. but when that stuff becomes like sort of i want to say more readily available when there's like more of it out there and stuff like that I'll have a combination of, of stuff on my bike. Like I probably won't have the XX stuff. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll 100% have um, a model. Gnarly. So it's cool. Did that whole like idea of changing under load, like I come, countless chains I've blown up because you may, I've made that absolute Gumby maneuver of, of doing so like, and it, it ha- would have such benefits for a racer as well. You know, like having something like that. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a game changer, or is a game changer with um, e-bikes. So, um, oh, hugely. Like Jack's got a couple of e-bikes at home, and um, yeah, as soon as we can get that on it, we um, we're gonna because um, yeah, stuff's awesome. Like 100%. for under load and just like having that that power and torque. Um. So, Texie's got a dream bike, you know, a dream build. We've seen Miami Vice. What's Payne's dream bike looking like? If 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 we're going to, like, you know, cross the I's and, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's, though, what, what do you – if they said, hey, we've got something in, in store, like, we'd love some ideas from you, what's your, um, your custom Capra looking like? I reckon it would look like – um an old school um peter brock um like racing car like that sort of yeah so like the sort of blue and red kind of mobile like blue red white and mobile days that would that would be 100 percent yeah i really hope the right person sees this because i would (laughs) love to see that not only would i love to see that bike because like when i've I haven't watched Bathurst in years now, but when I was a kid and you turned on, you know, racing on whatever channel it was on, like Brocky was, no, he was the man. And like to to have something like that on a bike would be so sick. Yeah. um, I can't remember who did it um, last year for Worlds on the downhill, but they had, there was a couple of sort of like car themes. There was, um, oh yeah. Um, Laurie Greenland. Yeah, he had um, something like I can't remember what what that was in particular now, but yeah, I'm Lightning sure McQueen that, from Cars. That's it. That's exactly so what it was. sick. Yeah, that was that, that was, was so excellent. sick. And I was into that, and that that's what had me thinking about it. That's why it was so easy to think about. I was like, 
Yeah, I've thought about that. I'm before. ready. I'm, I'm ready to put my order in. That yeah. So dope. Man, it's gnarly. Like, it. When, when though, like, does that mean they, they've got like a bare Capra frame and then it just gets painted from scratch? And it would be the same for the lowers, I imagine, as well. Like, it's just, like, got, like, an enamel coat, and then everything goes on. Yeah, so we got the um, the raw um, frames, and then they were sprayed um, from yep. there. Um, not exactly sure how the whole, like, lower thing worked. Um, but, yeah, that's that's definitely how the, the frames went. It was, like, from raw, and then they, they weren't, like, assembled in any way and then they they got sent sent away to to be sorted it's intermission time oh yeah that's right um who was it that had the pastrana custom bike um i didn't see that oh flip who was it i'll have to send you a photo later but just on the um on the subject of uh custom bikes one, someone from um, uh, Rampage last year had a custom bike that, which was dedicated to one of Travis Pastrana's like race bikes that, or one of his bikes that he completed some like world first trick on, and it was possibly like the sickest thing that I've ever seen. I don't That's know if he actually, huh? That is pretty cool. And I reckon just anything with the 199 on it would be, like, mad. <laughs> Absolutely, it would be. That's a mountain bike frame. Oh, where is it? Oh, man, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go down. I'll, I'll, I'll be chasing squirrels if I – um. yeah, but it was it was literally the coolest – it was possibly one of the coolest things, like, I've, I've ever seen. I've seen some super wild customs where people, like, um uh people of oh it's not fresh paints of whistler some guy on youtube i can't remember but he did like a whole whistler like mountain range on the frame and i was just i loved it but i thought could never ride it it has to be all you reckon has to be wall art because it's it was so intricate bro like literally like i'm talking like silhouettes of birds like down to things like and the guy's talking about you know it's for a customer of his he's from da 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 and i just thought that's a i don't know if i could write it because i after i spent the cost of a bike on painting it if i scratched that i'd have to check myself into a ward like i'd be so i'd just be destroyed you know mate i i We'll just have to speak it down to the the uh, Peter Brock Capra is is coming. We'll yeah, just that... have... <laughs> <laughs> I I want to see that bike, man. That'd be that'd be dope. Yeah, well, I, got, I got some family back home that um like uh like um it's really really close, mate. Um, in uh, Jindabyne that um sprays yep. bike stuff like that, and yeah, he's already sort of like said oh we could do a a custom custom build or whatever but i don't necessarily hold on to bikes for like long enough like i absolutely love my bikes when i when i have them 
but I just don't get attached to them or anything like that. I don't know if I could keep something for all that. And and I'd want to if uh, if it was done up with something like that. Yeah, it's got to be wall art. I know because people have asked me the same question. I'm like, if you could have like a custom paint, I was like, I just don't know if I could. No, unless I was like, you know, oodles and noodles, like you know, coin, like just loaded. Then yeah, I just get it painted again if I cracked it or grazed it or did whatever. But I just it'd be too nice to look at. Like my first jewelry that I that I snapped. Like, I just hung it up. I was like, oh, I don't want to throw that away. Like, you know, I haven't kept anything. I haven't kept anything else. But, you know, I could, t- I could tell you, like, oh, if you had a dream build, I could tell you the components, like the color of the frame. Like, it'd be very simple. But, like, when it comes to a custom paint, I'm like, oh, actually, it would have to be something Nike orientated. That would be freaking gnarly. Like, this uh, crazy wallway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a few pairs there. This particular box, like this orange and brown, is probably like my favorite era from Nike. Um, I'd love to see that would be sick on a frame, like something like that, with a you know swooshes. Like you, you can you can put a swoosh on the rim, but then I that would get hung in here, and I probably never ride it. Yeah, yeah, you know, every one of the one of those things. What do you what do you like to do? Uh, what do you like to ride, man? Like in regards to like trails and things, you know, like, like that. Do you do you prefer flow? Like, what's your what's your go to when you're out on a bike? If you're going for a pedal, I mean, I don't know what's around you where you are, but like, what's your go to? Like, what do you like to pedal? Um, right. That's a good question. Um, like where I live, actually, we've got next to no riding. Um, so like, it's it's very like short hills so um an e-bike would be great here because you can like punch up in sort of like you know a minute or so and then get 30 seconds maybe uh, of like sort of downhill um but as for mountain bike wise i've only got my capra here so there's nothing really too much around that's worth riding but when i'm sort of back in oz or what i like would ride all the time was um king cumber mountain and um that's just like a, a whole bunch of sort of like I don't know technical trailer if you like. Yeah, um, I've seen a fair few but, videos of it. Yeah, but I don't like I don't mind riding like anything really. Like just as long as the the down matches the up. Like I don't mind climbing for like 15, 20 minutes or something like that for like you know sort of a couple of minute trail. Like um, but when it's like. 10 minutes up and 30 seconds down or something like that. Painful. It's just seems like such a waste of time. Um, Painful. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, to be honest, I I just like riding my bike and, um, I've gone like through, through the years, like, um, like I was really, really heavily into mountain biking. I don't know. I want to say from about 06 to 2013 and then from 13, like I basically just rode a road bike and didn't worry about riding a mountain bike. I was so burnt out for, I don't know, four or five years, something like that. Truly. And, um, I still followed like the world cup and all that sort of stuff. Like I was still interested. Um, but yeah, just didn't really ride mountain bikes so much. And, um, still had a hardtail, like to jump bike, go down the BMX track and stuff like that. But 
Um, not a no down a bike or anything. And um, yeah, only when I sort of like, I think it was the year before, must have been 2018. I like did a couple of the EWS qualifiers and stuff like that. And um, like I was absolutely frothing on mountain bikes again. And um, yeah, mm. and I'm like sort of still at that point. I like, I, I've been back here for a couple of days now or like a good part of a week. Yeah. And I'm like itching to ride my mountain bike. We're going to um, uh, take my partner for her first mountain bike, like proper mountain bike ride. Um, yeah, gotcha. From, um, Wales. So, um, yeah, real, real keen for that. So, that'll yeah. be nuts. Gnarly. I cut out a bit. Did you say Bike Park Wales? Yeah, Bike Park Wales. Oof. 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 Okay. Take me. Take me there. Damn. You got to kind of ride like, uh, sorry, drive three hours to get to like somewhere that sort of has that kind of what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like, some kind of combination. Um, although, like, I'm starting to meet a few more mountain bike riders and stuff. Um, around here now and there is like a few spots to ride um like you don't have to travel three hours but like to get get like good proper riding in you really need to get up get to wales or like go north north england kind of thing yeah it's funny like being in you know southeast queensland and some of the group chats i'm in as much as mountain bikers are super super passionate people i've never seen like a body of people it's probably going to offend some people that I'm not too fast. Like people whinge a lot, man. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Like now here's you telling me, like, obviously you live in like a pretty freaking large city and you get to do something like whale, you know, bike park wise, you got to go three hours. Like if you want some decent, you know, all terrain downhill riding boomers, like boomerang farm bike park is 20 minutes drive for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, it's it's nuts. Like, if you look, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, world standard stuff in Tassie and, you know, I think in, in Australia, like, it seems to me that, like, people are almost like, oh, they want this or they want that. But there's so much that is so close to us. Whereas, like, in a lot of other major cities around the place, you have to get out to get to what we have close. Yeah. I'm like, as an Aussie, I didn't realize at least like, you know, where I was from, like we have a lot of ride well and like, you don't realize how lucky you are until it's like, like a change of scenery or something like that. Like I, Mm. I come here, you know, it's, it's just different. Like, um, yeah, there's not riding all around and stuff like that. It's like, you have to make a, a fairly big effort to, to go somewhere and, and and go riding like it's a it's a weird one but um definitely lucky in Oz I think in like most at least like if you're on kind of the east coast you've got yeah everywhere kind of thing whereabouts are you from Nozzy um so just north of Sydney about an hour north of Sydney on uh the central coast yeah all right cool yeah he's plenty of riding around there damn yeah heaps like we had um like um a wobba from like 2007 onwards um well there was always tracks there there was like amazon and stuff in like years previous to that which is um an awesome track but um 
like the monkey trail was built sort of around that 06, 07 time. And that was like one of the best downhill tracks in the country. Um, that's an hour so north. Wild. We had like a couple of good tracks, like King Cumber. I lived in King Cumber and the hill there. Um, yeah, it's not massive. Like it's only sort of, I think about 150 meters high or something like that. But like the actual terrain. Like, that's enough like, though. You can get some yeah. speed up. You can get some speed up. Yeah. And we, yeah, we had like, you know, it's a 10 minute tar pedal up or you can like shuttle and, you know, you can probably drive to the top in five or less. Um, and that was like five minutes from our door. So like, yeah, just so good. Yeah, that's wild. I couldn't imagine. I, I've, I have some stuff about five minutes from my house and I've just recently found another spot. Um, we haven't even gone to the – I don't even know if I can actually get up to the peak yet or whether it's safe to, but it just to venture out into our bush, like I know it's dry, it's rocky, and it is what it is, but, like, I can go – I can ride my bike to some sick riding type thing. I, I'm very, very – I like the mindset that I'm, that I'm in and, the, and I love that the, I've met the people that I've – Matt, but it's so cool to actually hear, you know, different stories about different areas and places in the world and, you know, find out, like, w what it is to actually have to – not, to not have to travel, you know, yeah. three hours to get something like that. It's nuts. Yeah. I don't know why, but over the years, like, you, you hear, like, a lot of people or I think it used to be a question that was asked a lot more, but, like, how do we have so many Aussies that come out of like Australia when we don't have like the big mountains, like the Alps and stuff like that. And mm. I think it's like, I probably got a little bit more knowledge on it now, like, or just like that extra bit of knowledge, but you can ride obviously all year round in like majority of the places. Correct. But the amount of riding that you can do as well. And like very like different locations, different terrain and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just different for other countries. Like, so even though, you know, like someone might have the Alps, they can only ride those tracks for, I don't know, I'm going to say eight months of the year, maybe a little less even. But the people in the UK, like they have to deal with the, the right. weather. <laughs> you have to be mentally strong to be through that, like get through like winter here. Because, um, you know, yeah, you can tuck up and, watch youtube for five six months of the year but like literally there's like four good months in the year where you just like yeah just want to be outside and it's like nice weather and stuff but yeah you've got to get through like the other eight kind of thing and if you can do that then you're going to be mentally strong and i know um mush like he's from yeah Ireland. i was gonna say he always like pray every race he's like yeah in like he wants rain like every race and i was like he just must be so used to it from growing up in it yeah and it's just like you see videos from from their winter and all that sort of stuff and they're just they're out there and they're having a good time like smile on their faces like him and i think he rides with ronan dunn a lot um yeah i'm sure an, uh, an irish crew but um yeah they're just all like when most people would be miserable like they're genuinely happy and um like that's yeah, just everywhere around the world, like there's 
there's a, a reason why someone's good. And I just have kind of thought about that recently, why the Aussies could be so good and just comparing Very my life. Very interesting. What I can ride, yeah. You know, it's, it, uh, I think, I mean, obviously there's places in Australia that rain more than other places, but it's pretty much summer or what the rest of the world will call a summer like almost all year round, like it's, it's, or even when it does get cold, it's not like, you know, you were saying like in London, like it's, there's just rain or an island, like it's just rain, 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 rain. And if you're not prepared to ride through that, like when it gets cold here, it doesn't mean rain. Like you can, you can put on some, you know, some, uh, what do you call it? Like some unders, like you, you suit on, you can put your jacket on and you can still go ride. You can still go to your favorite downhill track. Like you can still get to boomers. It might be freezing, but you know, you can still go to Stromlo. You can still go to, like it's not. So it makes sense. Like I've actually never thought about it like that. Like we have some gnarly talent come out of this place and you think, Oh, we don't have the Alps, but what do we have? We have conditions we can ride in almost whenever, wherever, like all year round. That's a very interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, just something like I don't I don't know why. Maybe it's just my circle and stuff like that. But we've sort of always always thought about that, and um, yeah, just something I thought thought about recently. Ah oh, man, it actually has my brain ticking. Like there's so much young. I, I try to follow the local races, um, all the local stuff that's coming up here. Like as much, and there's so many. So many crazy talented people like around, and it, I just can't wait till this like next generation of, you know, obviously you know you've got the Jordan Williams and you've got the Jacksons and stuff like up there at the moment. These absolute, you know, freaks. But like even before that, like there's people that are I've seen that are younger than these boys, and in the very next few years they're going to be holding their own as well. So it's going to be crazy to see what comes out of Australia in the next three to four years, five years as these, as they're actually old enough to, to race. Yeah. Well, like I think with um guys like um, Jackson, you're sort of seeing a little bit of that sort of motocross mentality of like, you see the kids or like someone will talent spot these kids at a young age and they'll, they'll have support through their whole sort of like, adolescence or something like yeah um, they get of like that racing age like sort of juniors and stuff like that and now stepping up into the elite like yeah they've had support the whole way through and you're seeing what they can actually do with that support now and I think like that's going to come from from every country pretty pretty soon I think and I and I hope it comes from Oz for sure oh it's going to be so wild like I was saying you know, when the first UCI post came out about Jackson's win, I just kind of clicked. I was like, holy, he's overall champ for juniors. He won. You know, people couldn't do all the what-ifs. Like, what if Bernard didn't crash? What if Old Mate didn't do this? Like, he won hard line. Now he's on top of the leaderboard. And the way the point system is going, like, if he was to win overall, like, this year, it's just... Which wouldn't be out of the question. Like he's shown. No, that, um, it's not. Like I, 
I think he had a little bit of an injury or sickness or something before the start of the season. I'm not 100% on that, but um, I think he's shown, like, with his nationals in New Zealand, like, yes, I know all the big names aren't there, but, like, that, the cannonball result, um, the win now um, at Valsola. He's on. Um, like, he can be consistent as well, and, like, he's obviously put together championships as well, like, in the juniors. Um, so... Yeah, it's not not out of the question, is it? Oh man, it's actually like, yeah, it's boggling. It's going to be not. I, I really, you know, and Troy Boy fourth on the, you know, fourth. Like just his grin alone was, like you know, his cheesy little grin on that podium was so friggin' epic. Like I can't wait to see, and that, and I can't wait to see Jack healthy and and racing and like what he can give to it in the space that he's in with the team that he's in, man. And also, um, I think like the good thing, uh, going forward to take a positive out of an, out of a negative, like, um, like we're not in the overall hunt for this year's, um, series points now. So, um, it literally can be about, um, like going for the win and, um, and then building, um, toward next year as well. Um, like, yeah, cool. Confident back and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the the French rounds for sure because yeah, it should be uh, a full refresh with this um couple of months off. Um, obviously, like the grind of training and stuff like that. Um, never never stops throughout the season. Um, but yeah, it should be he should come come out swinging. I reckon. Oh man, I'm keen to see it. I'm actually so keen to see it. I'm excited. Like I think the as, like as Aussies, if you're a fan of mountain bike and they're keen to see it, can you give give us any? Someone actually said to me, um, mechanics got quirky stories that they can tell any, you know, they can tell people because they see it from a different um, perspective. Is there anything that you could share with us that's made you laugh over the over the season? Any moments that like that glisten out that you were stoked about, or even in moments on the bike, you know, for yourself, bro. Um, oh, you always give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back when, um, you know, just like, I don't know, there's sometimes there's just a feeling that you get when it's like, everything's just gone together, like perfectly. Like it's no, there was no, there's never like, there's never issues with the, the bike going together or like. Go, like when you send it out but there's sometimes when you're just like <laughs> fuck yeah on point and like but like nothing nothing like quirky but like yeah just uh like i enjoy those those times where you just yeah send the bike out and you're like i like that's i couldn't make with 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 everything that's going on like the the whole package yeah. like you've done anything better like it's just everything's snappy and and all good and um like that's that's a cool moment for me um obviously we kind of like ride the lows and highs on like results and stuff like that but yeah i didn't have any kind of quirky stories or anything like that um oh i was watching you guys um i can't remember what what vlog it was, but you, um, Taxi was like throwing can cans and like, 
I think oh, yeah. it was from the tra- I think it was from the trail of the video you sent me. I think it was the same trail. And like yeah. Jack and Taxi are sending these big airs. And then I see you like and you're man, you're boosting it too. And then like one of the tables, you're just like, nah. <laughs> that's too yeah. big. Like, that's not me. It must be gnarly riding behind that and just seeing this guy like flog through the air and you're like, I'm already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, it's super um like it's super fun when we get to go like riding with the boys and stuff like that. But yeah, but I've been riding like blind. Um like I'd never done those trails before. Um Oh my gosh. And they would be so fast. Yeah. And it's like weeks between when we get to ride and stuff too, right? Like I haven't ridden yeah. my I haven't ridden my mountain bike in Schladming that day, which is like four weeks ago, six weeks ago or something like that now. Like, holy. So, so you're like, like always a little bit sort of rusty. Um, and yeah, like I've always got in the back of my head as well that like, like, yes, we can go riding and, and there's an element of like, um, uh, danger there or risk, but I always try and keep the risk to a minimum. Like, keep within my comfort zone and like yes i could do that jump but i just didn't see any value in it like i wasn't getting anything out of it so yeah gotcha work the next week so it's like i just keep that in the forefront of my mind um you'd have to because i imagine being in that group of people and it'd be so easy just want to boost it like yeah and then that's the other thing is like you're riding with like you know, some of the fastest guys in the world and yeah. trying yeah. to stay your limit, but you also want to ride with them. And because like I, I never competed at their level, but I still I would say that I rode okay. Like just give myself a pat oh, on the back. Did freaking um, like for a while, I, like yeah but in the early years. And so um like I want to ride with them and like I can if I well it depends on the track too another thing that I've said to the guys is like on a downhill track like when we did the we did one run of the um Schlabling downhill track um the rest of it was like sort of the offshoot tracks and stuff like that all yeah. the other and I was able to keep them in like sort of eyesight even if it was like a berm or two away for like probably two minutes of the track um not bad but as soon as we get to like an enduro trail or something like that that requires like you know and i like it's a little bit less predictable like the downhill track you kind of know to some yeah degree. i see what you mean yeah yeah like um like your left rights are all going to be like sort of fairly similar with a different kind of angle or trajectory but the enduro track you just don't know what's coming up and so they're gone in like two corners it's just the ability for them those guys to like think and react is so much better than me um that would so, be wild like, track can't keep up downhill track can for a little bit that's gnarly so, it's gnarly to think like it just well that's kind of like someone mentioned you know, about you know jackson's race like how quick these top guys react and make decisions like it's 
it is it's really hard to like actually calculate like how yeah. fast those things are happening well i think like i like i'm out of the the downhill scene like a, a yeah a fair bit but like um just it's on a like it's it's always going to a different level right like all sports are and yeah at, like people are talking about like risking life and stuff like that to um to get a result and like i was watching the the tour de france stage yesterday and like there's multiple crashes and it's theoretically it was a safe finish like it's on a like a car racing track like it's super wide no road furniture um but my point is like people are taking like risks to win and um i think like the the downhill guys they're not necessarily making decisions and stuff like that in that last run like it's all pre-programmed like they've already they've like obviously yeah. that sort of stuff and but just seeing like the way the bikes react and stuff like that is um super cool especially at val de sole where it's like a lot of a lot of dust and stuff right and, like a lot of big holes like seeing it dance around and the in control but out of control kind of yeah that's it up. like that that's purely that's pure downhill for me like that that track like maybe if it had a few more turns um mm. could possibly make it a little bit more exciting but like damn like that's that was really really cool man yeah i've, I've i was frothing that was probably the best race like of the year to see some of the top guys get like really unstuck and then like you know few wild card placings so to speak you know Troy getting his spot like it really put people like on their toes yeah like Troy's Troy's run um we've actually spoken a whole lot about downhill like it's still downhill is like really cool um yeah and like yeah watching Troy's run and stuff like that that was sort of like the first bit where it got really exciting for me like watching the telecast and and it sort of like you know um it just built and built and built um i think like the telecast is doing like quite a good job at that but um yeah another thing that um uh texas mechanic patrick um and i yep. like he goes between so he's sean's mechanic as well for the the down yep. team and um uh like we sort of spoken about like oh what do you prefer like pits wise and like working with with like either and both have their pros and cons um like i get to go ride my bike with the enduro and like um you know the enduro bikes are, are cool like we have a whole sort of different side of components and stuff like that that you don't have on a downhill bike like you know simple stuff like garmin mounts and we put power meters on the bike and um you know there's yeah of, okay trying to um tool storage and like all of these like really tiny things that you're trying to kind of optimize that you don't have to on a downhill bike but there's something about a downhill bike that's just like Sick. super cool right like just yeah yeah it's kind of like the, the f1 kind of um yeah <laughs> it's like the, the top kind of not even the top discipline because like you look at the xc and like man the the trucks and the like, wild 
all that sort of stuff. Like every discipline has its like top notch about it, but um, there's something cool about downhill. <laughs> oh, there hundred percent is. Like I said to, I said to my wife, I was like, I want a downhill bike, eh? and she's like, What for? Like, what are you? And she's like, Wait, is that, isn't that what? Because I just got a new a new bike um sitting in the garage, and um. Isn't that one? I was just like, well, yeah, that's going to do everything that I need it to, especially for what I'm riding around here. But I just want a downhill bike because it's sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I've seen people have them, like, you can't ride it anywhere, like, unless you're doing downhill or, or park, really. And even then, like, the majority of enduros are going to shred everything at a park. Like, yeah. but they're just sick. It On that note, though, um, what was I going to say? We were talking about, obviously we've spoken a bunch about downhill. Someone the other day mentioned to me like how easy it is to make a mistake in enduro with the, like the unpredictability of the trails. Um, how, how difficult are some of these trails? Like, I, cause obviously like I haven't ridden stuff like that, but you know, the trail that you followed, taxi and uh jack down like they disappeared is it just like continual rocks and roots like the turns aren't like because the turns aren't like really bike parky apart from like a couple of those stages that they had earlier on do you i'll ask it like this do you think it's harder to get an overall it would you think it would be harder to get an overall and get consistently good in get consistent results in enduro than it is in downhill? I think they're their own beast. Um, yep. Like, yes, you see some riders able to cross over, like, really well and stuff like that. But honestly, if they were the, the same skill set, we'd probably see more of the riders doing both if, like, the, the weekends allowed that. Yeah, got you. Um. Yeah, I just think like it's it's just two totally different things. Like hard to really answer that question. But yeah, to answer your question about the tracks, like there's a little bit more sort of awkward stuff in enduro, and it's the yes. ability to read the terrain and then ride it like really quickly. Um, whereas like the downhill right, you get um. <laughs> track walk you get practice runs on the same track you're only ever doing the same track like you can you can yeah that whereas with the enduro and i would like to see it and some of the races i maybe most of the races would maybe even disagree with what i'm about to say here but i would like to see um somehow the riders get like kind of less riding on the actual kind of terrain that they're riding on like i know they don't have a shakedown and stuff anymore um but mm -hmm. try and even things up like you see some people or like not and i'm not even trying to like pinpoint particular riders but like someone will get to an area and ride the area for like two weeks before the event and they only yeah for the event so even though you don't know what you're going to be riding you could still be riding the trails that you'll be racing so somehow 
I would like everyone to stop riding the trails before the event. And so they only ride practice, sorry, they do track walk and then they do practice. So they get one run down each track, which they currently do. And yes. then you race. But somehow, and I think it just needs to be like a gentleman's sort of agreement um, or like, and ladies. Because you can't stop people from riding. That's the thing, like. No, that's right. Like, but it just needs to be like a friendly sort of like, yeah, I'd, like no one's going to ride that sort of area like for, you know. But I, I know I know that's quite impossible, but like you get as gist, I'm trying to say. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think because I saw Jesse Melamed touch on that, but I wasn't, I didn't get like the full context because whatever short, or real was posted of it like it i didn't really have like the full conversation but i think that's exactly what he was talking about and then i i kind of i kind of had a read through the comments and like and like there was people saying it should be like you know show and go so to speak like i i don't know what enduro was like when it first started but like you'd rock up you'd get a practice you'd quality and then you race like it seems, it, it, I kind of agree with that. Like I won't, I won't lie. Like you, you come in, obviously you can't stop people from rocking up and riding, but it would be cool to see it a little bit more regulated, and I think that would level it out a bit yeah. more. Because someone also said though, the winners are still going to win. Yeah, hundred percent. The um, I think like there's like just sort of I guess from talking about that, there's two things that that spring to mind is like. One, previously, compared to now, um, there's been more fresh tracks on the – or fresh areas to the enduro circuit. So, like, if you look at this year, we're going back to quite a few events that people have already done. Um, so they already have a track knowledge, um, whereas maybe in the past years they've had, like, a fresh kind of place to ride. Um, yeah, gotcha. But also, like, no one wants to be behind the eight ball at the moment. Like, they, if there's kind of like this um, consensus that if someone is riding the area, I'm not particularly saying like the tracks that are going to be raced in like the month beforehand, then everyone wants to do that because they don't want to put themselves yeah. on the back foot. Um, but somehow that mentality needs to disappear. And I don't know how that happens. I'm just going to mm. create a uh, talk about a problem and then not come up with a solution. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. But I think this, I mean, this is another, like this is a, this could be a facet of said problem um, is money as well. And like the pressures put on athletes to perform and then how that pressure outworks in athletes and their needs on wanting to return to the people that look after them they're like damn so and so is probably going to win how am i going to try and get an edge yeah yeah everyone's I'm always trying to get this like i'm like man i need as much as experience i can get i and, and it's hard because i don't think you can't say that people are being malicious by doing this either then then there's a question of is it fair then there's the question of like they're certainly not breaking rules like they're not no one's doing anything wrong like not not trying to say that but um 
Yeah, I think there's everyone enjoyed the rawness of the enduro, and um, that's just from what I'm hearing more so than anything. Like it's it's my first year on the enduro circuit, and I absolutely love it. Like I haven't been yep. to a lot of places. Like I'm riding like fresh trails and stuff for me, and like it's not a beef I have. I'm just kind of like talking about stuff that I I have heard. And you've observed yourself. Man, it's going to be interesting to see if it... Okay, let's let's ask this question. How how does the UCI, like, how, how, how do you curb that? Like, do you, do you, up, okay, maybe they mark out the trails and then border it off or, like, how, how does that look like if they're going to regulate it so you get your walk your practice, your race, how does that get regulated then? Um, honestly, I think like, uh, like there is no solution that the mm. guy or, or any sort of governing body or, or like local, like the people that um, put on the races and stuff like that, that can do, cause they don't want to shut down all of their trails um, in the, the week slash month beforehand because a lot of these places are, are like built off tourism and stuff too right like um, yeah gotcha so you want people to be riding the trails and and having a good time like so i think the only actual solution is um without like you know someone thinking outside the square here will probably come up with something different but um like i think it has to be some kind of like agreement between the riders um or just like a an unwritten rule kind of thing which is kind of in place but kind of not kind of <laughs> like yeah no one's breaking um rules as i said before but it's just um it's just like gray kind of thing mm, that is a topic that could go on forever and ever for sure yeah <laughs> and do you have any um pet hates as a mechanic or does anyone have any bad habits that you're like that makes you like oh like squash your eyebrows amongst the team no there's um like there's always people that do things differently um, yes okay and i think like um part of part of being in the team um is like accepting when someone does something different like and you know, like, if someone was doing something wrong, like, you might... Yeah, like, gotcha. Or, or whatever. But, like, um, yeah, people people have their different ways of doing things to get to the same result. And you can... You, you learn from that. Like, um, every mechanic that I've ever worked with, whether it is in a, a shop or, like, even it could be someone out on the road or, like, at the mountain bike track and you see them doing yeah, something... Gotcha. You can add that to your repertoire um, if you like it or think it works better or, or whatever. Um, but you're in a close-knit um, area and stuff like that for, like, could be months at a time. I think the last trip was eight weeks I spent away. Um, and Ooh, so... it's a long time. Yeah, like, part of part of being on the team is being able to get along with, with everyone. Yeah, you don't um, sort of, like kind of 
I don't want to say like mock people's like you just yeah you just don't stir the it is what it is and um yeah as I said like you just learn from from different people or they might learn from you and um everyone that's there has a right to be there as well like they've they've gone through like the same kind of process it's got the experience so um yeah that's just pretty pretty much yeah yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's it's totally fair. I kind of um I had I was like, oh he might answer it like this, but like from what we've spoken about and you know what you've communicated to me, I imagine it's like not only are you a mechanic, but like like the the base starts with you. Like when you're done, you get that bike off the rack, you give it to the racer. If you're not emotionally sound and clear on what you're doing, that energy kind of comes out. Yep, you yep. know, and can affect the people around you. So you've got to be like, it, it actually has just given me like the um, realization, like you've got to be like collected. Like you can't let it sit because that person is trusting, is looking at you, like your team is looking at you. And I mean, man, you can't, man, we're not perfect. We're humans. We're going to crack. We're going to have moments. We're, we're going to get mad. We're going to get sad. We're going to get sick. But like that person's looking at you to have confidence that you are emotionally sta- – man, I never thought about it from that point of view, that you're stable enough to be like, I'm going to get my job done, this bike's going to be perfect. Yep, that's that's something like you 100% on point there, and that's something that's – like also um, it gets discussed within teams. It's like a, I think some people have that natural process of like thinking about that stuff and then others don't, um, and that's something that – if you don't have that, then then you need to sort of get that and pretty quickly. Um, even even things like keeping spaces tidy and stuff like that as well. Like you know, naturally, I'm I'm certainly not messy on my workbench, but I'm not tidy either. Like um, things like folding rags, putting like your five mil next to your four mil and stuff like that. Like I'm not I'm not that person. Um, but when my work is kind of finished or I notice that my workbench and stuff is, is like getting a little bit out of hand, I'll stop, clean it up, like get back to like an orderly fashion. And, and that just sits in with like um, what you see visibly going on around the pit. And it's why we have like a professional pit set up with the enduro as well as the downhill. Like the downhill yeah. pretty much one has it. The enduro is a lot more lax in a lot of ways. And as and I'm not talking like um I'm talking as a whole whereas yeah where we've got quite a professional setup and every time we set up the pits we look at a better way of not setting up like where the chairs go and stuff but like hiding little bits and pieces um you know we've got airlines that come from the roof we've got lights on and all that sort of stuff underneath the pit and um you'll just always like you just always got to strive to be better um, in every single thing that you do. And that's from like, I love it. Having, having clean bands, having a professional setup, you know, um, like, yeah, just the, the one thing that you won't probably see uh, from <laughs> me, having one of those like foam toolbox, like where all like the cutouts and stuff like that is. Like, right. Um, wild. I love it. I think it's fantastic that people do that. It's just completely not me. 
how is there okay firstly how do you organize your kit then like if it's not all because i in my head i just assume like oh, i would love i've got all my tools like for, for the tools that i do have i mean i don't have everything but the tools i do have like they've got a neat space on my shelf in the garage you know next to gym equipment and stuff like that but if it's i i just assumed everyone had a pack like that how do you set up your gear um so if you look at mine i have um so mine's like a standard nipex box so they have parts yep. in sort of like kind of designed around mostly electrical really um yeah but i like sort of just every one of my tools goes back in exactly the same spot that it came out of but it's just like kind of more placed in there than sort of like having it secure individual spot um yeah so like, i got you yeah, that makes sense fit, like where i put a five mil you could fit a six mil a three mil um you could probably fit a hammer in where i keep my eight mil but the thing is everything has its own spot and the reason why is one i'm not creative enough i don't think with all of like the cutouts and stuff. <laughs> it and would take patient. so much time to do it up it yeah. would i it would be something that i would want someone else i won't be like I want this toolkit, make it happen. I like, I, I wouldn't have the patience to sit there with a friggin' scalpel, draw a pen line around each friggin' layer, yep. cut that crap out, and then put, oh, I just, like, it would be, this is a, I think this is a part of, it's one of those things, if you want to do that for me, fine, but I'm not going to enjoy that process. I'll love the end result, but yep. frick that process, like, of getting it there. Yeah, 100%. And then there's another part of it for me as well is like if you add a tool to the repertoire, if you uh, – to the toolbox, um, if you add um, or, or change something or if you work with a different component, like with our – like I know we've – like this has been spoken about a lot with various different things through the year, like YT, we can choose whatever components that we want to put so on sick oh that is so sick which is yeah absolutely fantastic um but if we decide to start using a different product that i need a different tool for it's like where do you put that tool if you have like cutouts and stuff made specifically yeah okay there's a lot more flexibility with my box um so there's again pros and cons like with everything so um yeah, I'll um I'll get a new box probably, maybe even before the next rounds. Um, we'll see. But basically, I'm gonna get something like a, a Nipex box, just like bigger, maybe a different brand. I'm like just still in, in the process of searching, but um, it'll be similar to what I've got, just just bigger. That is very interesting. You'd have to change that whole setup just because of one tool. And then you're like, if you've got that foam layer thing and you've got to get a brand new tool, you're going to have one whole layer that has one tool in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks a bit funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. Just, um, yeah, I don't know. Like you, you see a lot of, a lot of toolboxes and stuff like that. And you're like, there's yeah. some mean, mean looking toolboxes out there. But for me, I'm a very, practical kind of person and and not super creative like i said so um 
yeah, that that process of going through it is just um one that I don't want to I don't want to go through. I don't want to endure. It's like uh, I got <laughs> my mate uh, that I uh, work with. He loves cleaning. Like it, it, like he said, he feels calm when he cleans right, and I hate it. I love the end result, but whenever I'm cleaning the kitchen, you know, I just you know after dinner or whatever, I'm like. I was like, oh, right after I eat, I just want to go edit or I want to train off the kids are up. I want to do this. And I'm just like, I love the clean kitchen, but the process too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll still do it. I'll still do it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll still get it done. But I'm like, oh. So I get it. I was like, if there was a practical way to do this, like if I could just frisbee the dishes over the back of my head and, you know, and they'd be clean, fantastic. But obviously yeah. that's not the... You know, that's not the case. That's really cool to know that, man. That's Yeah. It's funny because I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here. I said I'm not like the kind of person that puts the um the tools evenly okay. on the, the table okay. and stuff. But I am 100% the, the kind of tidy person. Like, it doesn't okay. Tidying the van at work or I'm like the guy that has a pretty damn tidy room when I'm away living out of a suitcase. Like, I make my bed each day. Not to the point where, like, you know, someone from the army would come in and, like, bounce the dime off it, but it's made. <laughs> I like, I like, I enjoy having a clean, tidy car, um, clean the, the the kitchen and all that sort of stuff. Like, um, I really do, like, like having things tidy. But yeah, got you. Not like the, I'm not, I'm certainly not OCD about those things. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Man, I'm, I'm uh, thoroughly happy with how this conversation has gone, bro. Nice. Cheers. It's been friggin' epic. I just looked at the time and I was like, holy, we've been going for over two hours, bro. Um, oh, that's been... Can we get been... some okay snippers out of that one, then? <laughs> oh, bro, definitely. Like, it's... I, I'm so stoked, like, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Jack and the guy, you know, that whole team, like, has got so many eyes on him at the moment. But I was just like, man, it would be so sick, you know, to hear someone's story, like, hear a mechanic's story, hear how, you know, he does things and, you know, get a different, you know, perspective. And, like, because it's – everybody want, everybody wants to hear from racers, man. Um, you know, like, you know, like, like I was saying before, like, the reason that there is a business – the reason that there is a job is because these people that are willing to send themselves down these mountains in insane speeds and like they have, you know, this crazy skill. But I just thought, you know what? It'd be, I was like, man, it'd be so sick to have Painty on and just see what sort of perspective, you know, you can provide, man. There's nothing wrong with more content, right? Like everyone, like I want to see what the races are, are, are like, you know, doing and, and thinking and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and like I know everyone, that's what they want to see, but extra content, right? Like, um, yes, hundred percent. We live in a world where it's just everywhere and anywhere. And um, yeah, if the, if you can hear someone else's opinion, or maybe you learn something, or um, like I, I don't feel like I've been super insightful or, or told you like many things that you probably otherwise wouldn't have heard um, elsewhere. I learned heaps, bro, big time. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, but like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with hearing someone else's opinion. I don't think. Oh, not at all. I, I actually said, 
um, well, the episode I filmed before this, and I actually still have to film episode four. I've done five and six. I just haven't been able to lock down four. But it's been really cool, like, because some of the chats that have come out of these, right, it's been really, really, really cool to see people's just general opinions on life stuff, what's happening here in Australia with mountain biking. Like, you know, your opinion, um, even though some people might not agree with it, like I agree with it about, you know, talking about before about, you know, races and teams rocking up, you know, well early and riding the trails. Like it's all valid information, man. And like, I think the beautiful thing about podcasts is that, you know, it, someone's going to get something out of it. You know, someone's going to get like it, it. It doesn't matter the story that someone's going to be like, man, that's that's valuable to me. That's yeah. valuable well, to me. You know, right? Um, we didn't just ramble for for two hours and no no one gets anything out of it. That's it, bro. That's it, bro. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for listening in and tuning in. And Painy, I've honestly, man, really, really appreciate your time. Like, I know you've you've got. I mean, you're on that break, but it's not easy to, you know, lock things down, especially when you're in another country as well. So I very much uh, am thankful for your time, bro. And it was really cool to hear your side and hear your story and, you know, get to know a little bit of the ins and outs behind, you know, the mechanics side of things. And, yeah, get a bit of insight on the, you know, the EDR stuff too. So it's cool. Thank you for yeah. your time, bro. No worries. Thank you for having me. It's always um, it's really nice to, like um, – you know, just have something to do with like the, the Aussie side of things, like um, yeah, just help out an Aussie or like even just yeah, talk talk to some Aussies and stuff like that. Cause, um, yeah, I imagine cool. you get a bit homesick sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, an element of that. Like, um, so yeah, it's just fantastic. Thank you very much. All right, guys, peace out. Love you all. God bless. That is the fully pinned podcast episode. Six with Payne, Daniel Payne. Thank you, my dude. Yes. Legend. Legend. The fully panned podcast.